0: or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Litan Yahav. Litan is a former officer in the Israeli Navy um, and established and successfully sold sold, Sigoma, revolutionary technology that disrupted the global diamond industry, which is very, very interesting. Um, Litan, first of all, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, really appreciate having you today. Yeah, Jason, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So why don't we just, why don't you tell us your story? Give us your background. Um, kind of, uh, I think there's gonna be a lot of really interesting stuff and, and, and uh, certainly seems unique to any of the other uh, guests I've had. So I'm excited to, to kind of hear your background.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I always like to start sort of like a personal background. So I'm, I'm 40 years old, married, three kids. Uh, I was born in the States. And when I was nine years old, my, my parents wanted to do a trip around the world with me and my brother. And we ended up in Israel where my dad is from. <laughs> We've been there ever since or here ever since. So, um, and then, uh, uh, in Israel military service is sort of mandatory. So I was in the military in the Navy for six years, um, as a commander there. And, and after that went to school, um, compared to the U S late. So I, w- I went to school when I was 24 years old, um, studied law and business. And in my final year of studies, as was part of this entrepreneurship program and met my co-founder back then, who's my co-founder now as well. And This is like 12 years ago, 11 years ago, we founded our last startup, um, which was Sagoma okay. uh, the one you mentioned, uh, which came out of a, a, a phase we were in of looking for a problem to solve and build a business around. And and during that phase, sort of just exploring different industries and um found a really inefficient way diamonds are traded around the world and said, well, why don't we solve this with technology and that sort of like what's kicked off that startup, which went rather, very well and, and, and let us sort of, we, we can dive into sort of the rest of it, but fast forward, sold that back in 2015, made some money, left that company in 2018, At that point about 250 employees, photographing basically all the diamonds in the world, um, had enough of the diamond industry, moved on and we've been investing our money ever since like for the past seven years, a lot of real estate, private equity, startups, crypto, stuff like that. Um, and about two years ago, it just became a headache, right? These are good problems to have, right? Don't get me wrong. But at that point, sort of, my spreadsheets became insane and multiple bank accounts and cash going in and out and documents and taxes. And it was just a, a real big headache. And so we built ourselves a piece of software to automate it and while doing so, a bunch of friends wanted to, and we said, wait, there might be business here. And we researched the world and found that millions of people like us and end up building a new startup around that. And so we've had another startup called advisor, which is what we're doing now, which we founded, um, the end of 2020, which is basically a platform for helping people manage their money if they have complex portfolios. So that's sort of the, the end to end from, from the beginning today. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think there's a ton of stuff here. Super, super interesting. And, and I love, kind of what you said about, you know, the the original startup is you, you went into that with the mindset of, let's look for a problem that needs solving, which is pretty much what entrepreneurship is, right? It's like, here's, let's, let's figure out an answer to this problem, especially people that are, you know, starting companies that, uh, you know, you you look at a, a certain business sector that is maybe, maybe antiquated, maybe just not, not not doing things in the, in the kind of 21st century, essentially they're still doing it the way that the, that it was always done. Um, and then sort of revolutionary revolutionizing that, which again, I, I love the mindset behind that. And I mean, maybe just, I just think it's interesting to tell me a little bit about kind of what, what you did to, to do that, to, to make it, you know, sort of bring it to um, <laughs> current times, I guess.
1: Uh, so, so, I think that, first of all, like building any business, I always tend to believe that it's a lot better to find a problem to solve using technology in our case, as opposed to many people who try to take a technology and then find a problem to solve with, the tech, with that technology, which usually is a lot harder and tends not to work. It, it works sometimes, it's just higher risk. And so what we did is that we were looking for an inefficient industry or a problem that didn't make sense. Um, And the cool thing about these sort of archaic industries is that they're so used to the way things work and usually it's are closed industries, where they don't get a lot of outside people to try and solve their problems. And so they always eat their own dog food and they're never sort of exposed to how you can do things better. And when people from the outside come with a fresh pair of eyes, it's like, how the hell in the 21st century, century, do you still fly around the world with diamonds? ship them in order to show like you're a diamond manufacturer dealer and you want to sell your diamonds to a jewelry store in in the US and you're based in a, in Hong Kong, you physically have to ship your diamonds for them to see them. And if they don't want it, they'll send it back. Like that doesn't make any sense. You can buy a Porsche on eBay just thing in 360. Why can't you buy a diamond? It, it turned out to be a, a bigger problem than we, than we imagined, which, is a good thing as well because it creates a barrier to entry to comp- for competition. But it's like when you, you come totally naive to an industry of, Hey, that doesn't make any sense. Let's solve it with technology and then dive in. And as you work at it you've, you've managed to solve it and you overcome these obstacles that people that are blinded because their industry don't think you can even solve. Just like, I'll give you sort of like a, an anecdote. Like we were in the early days of Sigoma when we spoke with like diamond manufacturers and dealers that have been in this industry for many, many years, because it's, it's like a, it's a family, usually usually family businesses and stuff like that. And so people are born into it. They're like, I want to be able to smell the diamond. And I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? How do you convey that into an image? Or I want to see the life of the diamond in the image that you guys do. And again, what we were trying to do is to take a diamond, which is a very small piece of sort of, of material, right? Photograph it and display it in very high resolution on the internet and then have people interact with it on the internet without physically holding it in their hand. Right. And so in order to do that, you need to make sure, and if you wanna become a trustworthy service to present the diamond as if it was in your own hand right. under a, a, a magnifying glass, right? And so. When diamond dealers tell you, I want to smell the diamond through the image, or I want I wanna see the life in the diamond, and you can't even convey that um, to technology, it's really hard. Um, so so anyway, so that's sort of we were lucky enough to have an amazing team of people and investors, and and we managed to solve that problem with technology. And we basically build a imagine a microwave machine and you put a diamond into it photographs it with very unique lighting and, and, and optics and then uploads it to the internet and creates that 3d image that you can interact with. Um, so almost every diamond you'll see online today is photographed with our tech. Um, so, yeah, so it, it became a main operation to, to receive diamonds, photograph them, return them, and a lot of stuff on the way, but that's sort of the backstory of, of that industry.
0: I may have used your um, technology for my wife's engagement because i <laughs> bought it online i was like i didn't know that was even a thing at the time and then i found you know it was through it through a i think they have a shop in new york city but it was like i that's how i i found it so I, probably, the same, probably the same technology that's funny um i was going to ask you you know kind of i think a lot of times when when someone comes into uh um outdated industry and they're uh presenting something like this that that's it's clearly like like to you and, and to me, like it's clearly the way it should go, right? It's like, but then you have, I was going to ask you about how much pushback you got, because some of those, um, those industries are the way they are because people are reluctant to let go of sort of the way it was. So I guess you did have pushback. People are like, I want to smell the diamond. I mean, I don't, I'm assuming you didn't have a solution to smelling the diamond, but. No, but it, yeah, it, that's it's a great like, question. I, yeah. Just go ahead. I mean, it's just like, I, I think you, you, I would expect you would run into some of that stuff when you're trying to to transform an industry.
1: Yeah. We had a ton of pushback. Um, many people, most people didn't believe we'd be able to ex- execute this, this idea of to do, to replicate the, the feeling of inspecting a diamond under a loop, which is a I magnifying glass to look at diamonds online. But the cool thing was Timing. Like we were perfect in terms of timing. And this is where luck, unfortunately, comes into play. Right. We were at the right time at the right place at the right time, because if I mentioned this is a family run business, their children were born with iPhones and they're at the age where they're entering the business and they want to make it more efficient and more adapted to the 21st century. And so the parents believe in smelling and and seeing the life of diamonds, but the kids who are already in their late twenties, early thirties, are like, I don't want to go to conferences and fly around the world and 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 risk being getting robbed and risk diamonds getting. I, why? I mean, I want I, again. I'm used to buying things on my phone online. I want to do this. So that was really um, an eye opener for us and a, and a huge advantage for the time we we went into the market because again, we had to find these like early believers, right? Even the kids, not all of them believed in what we were doing. Um, like I remember we so not many people know, but the vast majority of the diamond industry around the world is located in Mumbai in India. So 90% of the diamonds, even 95 today, percent of the diamonds in the world are polished and cut in, in India. And so we spent for like, the beginning of the, of, of the days, we had an office in India, in Mumbai, in the diamond exchange there. And we lived there for like six months on and off. And all we did every day is knock on doors in a diamond exchange building and show people what we're, our technology and what we're doing, and they should send us diamonds for photography. And most of the time they would not, right? Because also a lot of trust involved in that. But those that did, we'd, we'd blow them away with like the, the, the result and the coolest thing is that once they sent an image a link of their diamond to a store in the in, in new york or in belgium or whatever that store would receive this amazing 3d image of a diamond that you can see all the imperfections in color even better than as if it was in your own hand and then they'd want segoma the next time and so it creates this sort of yeah. sort of network effect um per se so like i, I want now I, now i want Sagoma, So now all the now it's a standard today it's like
0: well and it it's i mean it just goes to the to that point of you know I don't know remember who said this like where this quote came from but it, it it goes to yourself it goes to a product make it so good that they can't ignore you kind of thing like it's like if if your product if you would if you would come in there and tried to to do this despite the fact that it even if it was the right thing to do for the industry if you didn't have that quality image if you didn't have the you know the technology right you're not gonna you're not gonna break in, but if you come in there with something that's so good they can't ignore, well, there you are like that it's 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 gonna catch on eventually despite the pushback. so I mean, good you know, good, good for you in in that you you did that, you created something that was like, oh, yeah, of course, this is how we should do. It. you know what I mean, like it's like does it there are certain products that come along that it's just like, yeah, this is it's like it's like the reason why everybody has an iPhone, right? because it's like it's just so easy to use and works so well. Most of, you know, it's just kind of that sort of thing. So um, really cool. So you, so you, you sold that and then, you know, sort of, you started uh, investing and tell us a little bit about that. Like you're talking passively, basically you were, you're investing in real estate and and, um, you know, venture capital, that type of thing, but not starting more companies at that point. Is that?
1: so I mean, this was in 2015 when we sold the company. So we were still we had this earn out period for three years to stay and, and manage and scale the company. Uh, so since 2015, we've been sort of man- managing our money. Um, and then when you sell a company, there's a lot of PR around it. And then because there's PR around it, a lot of sort of wealth managers and investment managers re- reach out and you know want to want to want to give you advice on how to manage your money or take your money and and um, they'll manage it for you. And at that point we're like, well, I mean, I think we're good. We didn't make tens of millions of dollars. We made enough money to sort of invest it and stuff, but not to the level where we felt that it made sense to go to tier one solutions and pay tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for someone to manage our money. And so we just said, let's do it on our own. And then um, then the next step was, all right, where do we invest? What do we do with it? And, and we just, Start to talk around and with friends and family and what do they do? And in Israel, as opposed to the US, sort of retirement savings is mandatory. So you don't have a choice to have a 401k in Israel, it's by definition. And so most Israelis feel that you're sort of set, you don't have to deal with your retirement in terms of pension. So any excess cash you have, you're gonna do it in other in other avenues. And, and so for us, it was like, all right, yeah, let's let's start to find people we can invest with in real estate because every second person here does real estate. And we did not want to be active investors because we wanted to find people that we can trust and be passive investors. And so we started to do that and speak with people that do that and friends of ours or friends of friends of of ours. And for us from the get go was finding people we can trust that would not screw us over. Mm -hmm. And then what they do is sort of secondary. And so we found people we can trust to do real estate syndications in the US and in Europe. And we started to deploy some capital with them Um, and, and it went well and then with others and others, and that's what we ended up doing. Just a lot of private equity and real estate, uh, um, uh, investing passively in the U S and in Europe and some startups and crypto. And the more I'd say I already call crypto as more conventional because it's, it's the correlation with crypto and the the financial markets have become more or less the same now. So, um, so we have that, but. Thing we're most passionate about is the passive income from real estate and other private equity type of investments and so we've been doing that over the past seven years um and yeah and and so in doing that you um
0: encountered sort of another problem which as you mentioned is a good problem to have it's like all of these uh i guess passive uh, and i don't know you talk about your your latest startup but. I, you you needed a way to sort of manage that track it that sort of thing. So, how did you? I mean, what what did you do? What did t- tell us about it? I mean, it sounds like something that a lot of
1: people could really benefit from. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I think first of all, I mean, there, there are a lot of aspects I think of investing overall that are very um, sort of un- like non-transparent and hard to access information. It goes for finding which investments to invest with or in, and it also goes into like how is my investing going? Like, how do I even get transparency? Like, where's my money? How is it performing? I get these updates from invest from from funds I'm invested in, and so there are two sides of this, right? So first of all, who should I invest with? And there's a lot of inefficiency there um, because you speak with these fund managers, these syndicators, operators, sponsors, whatever you want to call them, and and they're like, like, how do I even know that you're legit? How do I know that, that you're good and that, that you're not going to screw me over there, that, that you know what you're doing? And then it's just like word of mouth. There's no good way to vet these Like, you'll, You can go on and listen to podcasts and you can go and read online about articles and stuff that they've done, but you don't really know who the good ones are. And so that's one aspect of it. And the second aspect is that once you invest with these guys, it's sort of, all right, you, I invested fifty thousand, let's say, into a into a, a multifamily deal, whatever, and um, and 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 then sort of, all right, I'm supposed to get money from this deal every quarter, but I don't remember how much because you invest in many of these, and and then the reports you receive are usually not that sort of straightforward. Long, long reports. Go find like all the details. Anyway, it just became hard for us, right, and so we decided to build something to solve that for ourselves. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. Like, so you, let's say you put 50,000 into one of these deals and you're supposed to get $4,000 a year distributed quarterly now for five years. And after five years, you're supposed to 50 is supposed to turn into 75 or whatever. And, and that's the plan for that investment. So let's just say there's one of those. And so every quarter you're going to receive a statement from this um, operator with how much money you're gonna get distributed this quarter. I don't remember how much I put in. I don't remember if this is what you said I was supposed to get. And that's problem number one. Problem number two is the money only arrives in your bank account two weeks later. And then, all right, I don't remember. Now I got the money, let's say I remember two weeks ago, what's this money related to? So, and when you have one, it's easy. But when you have 10, 15 of these, again, good problems to have, right? that's where it sort of becomes complicated and not even talking about everything else that happens in your life. You have W2 income, you have expenses, you have other investments, you have, okay. there's, it, it, anyway, and, and then things fall between the cracks and, and, and you start either lose money or or make not as much as you expect. And so we built a platform for automating that for us. And then from there to people like us, um, and that's what advisor is all about. And, and another thing sort of that we felt when we sold the company, we made, when we had money, and I think this is not, this is relevant, not just for people that made money, like substantial amounts, also for anyone else. When you start to work with like financial advisors, wealth managers, there's always this sort of, I mean, these are good people, right? And, and they, there are many professionals out there that do a great job, but at the end of the day, they're focused on the mass market and the mass market is usually only invested in the financial markets and so a wealth manager isn't really a wealth manager essentially what they do they'll manage your public portfolio and anything else doesn't really they can't really help you with it like you want to start you want to invest in a startup and into real estate they, they won't help you over there unless you're paying them a large amount of money and then it might not work anyway so there's a whole effect there where we're trying to sort of Solve for us and people like us and then the, the, the second point of that is sort of right and and just on that we'll, and there is obviously we are charging for the product it's it's a it's a subscription or membership based model so that we don't have any conflict of interest we're only sort of serving the customer but down the road what we're trying to add on is not just showing what you have but helping you understand what people like you are invested in right and so like creating this transparent community that's anonymous but based on your actual investments and then Sort of showing you, right? People like you are investing in this and this. These are these are the asset classes they're invested in. These are the specific financial products or funds or GPS that they're invested with, and create this dynamic that is super transparent with no conflict of interest to help people make better financial decisions.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I hope that makes sense. No, um, totally. I mean, it's a great idea, and I think um, you know a lot of the things you you pointed to. It's a, yeah, the the wealth manager, the wealth management system that's kind of in place right now is, is not really very effective for anyone that is outside of like their 401k or IRA. Like most of the they're just, you know, I, I talk to investors all the time and I'm and and you know they like, okay, I'm gonna talk to my financial advisor, but their financial advisor doesn't understand real estate investing. And it's like, well, so you're not they're not really a financial advisor. They're just someone who picks stocks for you and you could do that on your own. So you're paying them to or you could just put it in a in a you know an ETF or something like that. Like you don't have to actually pay someone to to, as you said, like mass pick these uh, stocks for you. It, but but yeah, the the education, the awareness, the the you know, kind of problem on the real estate side or whatever it is, venture capital, is that it's not very accessible. And so now you're talking about, well, either you can't invest because you're not an accredited investor or like, even if you're an accredited investor, I I know a lot of people that are accredited that don't know that they're accredited. They don't even know what that means. And then they don't know how do you, you know, who are you to trust? And that, that's a great point. So having all of this kind of, I guess, just this, this level, this way to report it, I mean, I think it's a phenomenal idea. And I think, um, it's, it's, it's essentially a, a data service, right? It's like, a you know there's yardie and Costar and all of those things for for um, the actual real estate itself and getting you getting all of the data but but having that data collection from the group of people that are that are using your product and then using that data to say, hey, look, this is you know the experiences that those people are having with these particular operators or this particular asset class or whatever I, I mean I think it, I think it's a, a fantastic idea.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I, I, we have a lot of a lot of ideas and visions to make this as valuable as possible, just from our own issues and our own uh, um, our own needs and wants. Right. And we just feel a lot of people like us out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think it's it's you're, you're going to have, I guess, people that are going to I mean, those people that are going to, you know, sort of push back, but they're, they're going to be people that are like, well, I don't you know that that are not in that position to need to manage <laughs> this level of wealth they're like that's not applicable to me but but i think that sure that may not be true but i think you know even people the, the education and the and the data side of it like that you can look let people see that want to get to that level of investment or that level of wealth like this is how it happens like this is what you have to do to to Get there, and this is what the people that are doing it, you know, they use. So you, you could, you could almost approach it even from that, you know, that perspective. I think it's, it's yeah, totally. I mean, if, you know, it, you know, when you
1: think about people like, like you like you mentioned, most or many accredited investors don't even know they're accredited investors, right? And then when they do, when they hear about, hey, you can invest fifty thousand dollars into a deal and make four thousand dollars a year without doing anything, right. and then have appreciation on that and also tax depreciation it's like, wow, that's insane. How do I start? And then I then then it's overwhelming. Like there's so much information out there. How do you even know where to go? And then there are, there are amazing communities of investor communities and stuff like that. But still, it's like it's still overwhelming. And like if I can provide more transparency, even for those people that are that are getting started, seeing. All right. These are peop- these are sort of the financial products or these are the funds or these are the GPs or operators or sponsors that people are investing and in. These are a the number of people that invested with them you can communicate with the people, the LPs themselves, the investors themselves and ask sort of for an input then without any conflict of interest, that, that'd be amazing for you to get started. I think, um, I mean, I wish I had that when I, when I, when I hit the started investing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of
0: people, it's like, you know, when you, st- I mean, we all, we all do it right. When we start into as a, as a sponsor, it's like the first thing that everybody tells you is, okay, go talk to friends and family. Well, like, what well, I mean, my friends and family don't know anything about this, so it's like <laughs> they they trust me. But it's at the end of the day, like that's what it is. They're trusting me, and so it's kind of you're having a place that people can go to kind of understand, you know, what their options are and and what you know, like like I said, I, I have a lot of a lot of friends that they have financial advisors don't but don't know they're accredited. And it's yeah. like you, you, like you're not getting. If you, if your financial advisor is not giving you the full picture, then they're not telling you. They're literally just a stock picker.
1: Like that's. I've, really I've heard. I've I've actually met a lot of people that don't tell their financial advisor everything because they don't want their financial advisor to know where all their money is because they don't want their financial advisor to try and convince them to put more money under management. That's insane. Your financial advisors should know everything. Right. They should be able to advise on everything right. without any conflict of interest, right? That's, that's how it ch- and I'm not, I'm not trying to take financial advisors business. I think what they should do, what they do in the public markets, they should continue to do. I personally don't believe in stock picking. I believe in index investing because right. I'm never, I personally don't believe if, unless I'm a day trader that I'm gonna be able to beat the market, but people who do fine, give it to a financial advisor who says he can or she can. But sort of like yeah, I get that. On, on your point, because because a cool thing that we saw is we have a lot of operators, like sponsors, that reach out to us and say, like, "I want all my LPs, all my investors, to use Visor." So when you go live on this benchmarking side of this community aspect, we're an emerging manager. We're already going to have a track record. That's 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 mind blowing. Like, where do we sign? So so yeah. I mean, you I felt lo- the
0: same. I was like, "How do I get on this? You know, how do I get on this list?"
1: Yeah, and, and so. So it, I feel, and I might be naive, but I feel that we can really bring a ton of value to many sides of the equation without any conflict of interest. Um, but time will tell. Like we're, you know, we're startup, we, we're funded, um, we have money, and, and, and but we're still trying to build a product that is trying to disrupt disrupt a, a, a hard industry or the financial industry is a hard industry. But we feel that like we're getting a ton of feedback from our from our members, and, and things are going well. So so i'm happy um
0: yeah i mean like i said i i think it sounds like a great a great concept a great product i think for, from from many different angles really i mean it's just like you just said like as a as a sponsor like you want i want to be on that like i want to be on there i want people you know cuz if if that's where people are going to look to see who they should invest with i want i want my name on there right like and as a and as a investor who I also invest in other deals. Like it is hard to figure out who to invest with. And it's like, you you know, I have this podcast I've invested or I've interviewed, you know, we're over 150 people, but I don't know, you know, I know them for the interview, but I don't know them, you know, everything about, because anybody can, it's all projections, right? Anybody can put what they want out there for projections. Anyone can put, even, you know, you can post the good deals on your website and maybe not the ones that didn't go so well. Right. So it's just kind of like, I think the, the idea of having that transparency is, is really fantastic. I I like it a lot.
1: Yeah. So like when you, when you speak with, uh, with investors, like what's their number one question to you?
0: My world's a little different because I come, from, I, I think what you're getting at is like how many deals have you done? What have, you know, what's your track record kind of thing? I think that is something that's put out there, Th- but most of my network is, is actually like pretty, um, this is very new to them. So it's like some, a lot of times it's like, what's a syndication, you know, like we're still, still at that level. So it's, it's long conversations, but I think, um, I'm not sure exactly what you were,
1: uh, I, that's I think, by, by the way, by the way, what's a syndication? You know, I, I've I've done thirty deals over the past seven years, and right. and a syndication is still not a defined term. Like a syndication or a syndicator versus a sponsor versus an operator, right. and the GP, like all that is all intertwined into weird terminology that no one really knows the difference. Like even that is like it's a, it's a, that's an important question, right? right? What's a okay. GP? I like, call that is, yeah. is, and that's what I mean. When I have these discussions with
0: investors, I mean that's really where I start. Okay, what's a syndication? Like, the, and and I try to put everything in in really simple terms, in the sense that like you're right. Like you could look at, you can Google it, you can look wherever. There's there's not, it's not very clear, but basically, I tell people a syndication is essentially a group of people pooling their money together to purchase an asset that maybe that single, a single person couldn't buy on their own. And you have two sides of the equation. You have the, the GP and the LP, and the GP has a whole bunch of different names, right? It's like sponsor, general partner, uh, you know, there's just all these different ways that people refer to it, but it's all the same, basically the same thing. You have people that manage the deal, and then you have the investors. And so it's kind of a, you I I totally agree. Like it's it's a confusing world without a lot of resources. Like I remember when I was getting started and I was looking to do a mentorship, and I was, you know, I was hearing about all these mentorships through podcasts and like talk, like actually reaching out and talking to them. But but go ahead and try and like look for reviews, like Google reviews on the mentorships. It's not that there's nothing there. I'm like there's reviews on everything. Like Yelp has everything, right? <laughs> every, but it's not there on this stuff. It's just not, I don't know why. I don't know why it's not there. I, I think, you know, so some of the problem is is the regulation behind it. Some of it's the SEC sort of keeping it, making it so hard for, you know, normal people to invest in this, but like the, some of it's just a lack of transparency. So I think it's a, uh, I, I love it. I love the idea. I think it. I think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead. Interesting. No. So I was just going to say that uh, because yeah, I mean the SEC does create a lot of challenges for um, operator sponsors to raise money. I do think that we're going through a very rough period. Personally, that's the way I see it. Yeah. And. Many people are going to say, are going to, are going to thank the SEC for limiting them from getting into so many deals. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, it is to protect many people because uh, uh, it has become very accessible. And there's so many people, so many people that are, that are um, raising money for different types of deals and different types of asset classes and creates a whole new world of, of risk. Yeah. Um, like, I I mean, I'm I mean, right now. It's you really need to cherry pick the deals you, you go into because, like, you want to make sure leverage and stuff like that matches what's going to happen soon. Rates going up is going to affect return anyway. It's a it's going to be very choppy waters, um, I think, moving forward. And, and and I think caution is really important. Yeah, and transparency is more important as well. So it'll help. Right from yeah, from
0: caution on the on the I guess LP side and, and transparency from an operator side. And I think that the I think that you're you're right like the the I guess the the safety or the regulations the safety the protection it absolutely should be there. I I don't actually have a problem that it is. My problem is that all those regulations are in place for real estate investments but anyone can go and get a like a brokerage account, put all their money in GameStop and lose it all. I agree. nobody yeah. protects them from that right right so yeah. that's what that's my that's my like why do they make it so hard to get into a real estate investment and not like anybody can invest all their money in stocks and lose it there's no yeah. there's no regulation there that's what doesn't make sense to me i guess is, is kind i of totally weird. agree that that that's a very very good
1: point um i guess for me because in israel i can't touch my my retirement account i can't do anything with it right like in a state where you can invest whatever you want um and so or brokerage account for that matter. So uh yeah, that's, that's total valid. That's a totally valid point.
0: Right. I mean, you could, you know, that was last week, the stock market, the NASDAQ dropped by 30%. Like it just like that stuff. That's very unlike, yes, you have to be careful on your real estate vest, but like you're not going to lose 30% in a, in a day. Like it just doesn't, that's not generally
1: how well you, it well, you might, but you might. But the cool thing about real estate in my mind or any private equity for that matter is the illiquid aspect yeah. of real estate protects you from making really bad emotional decisions. Right. 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 So if you think about a stock market or like the investing in stocks as you would real estate, illiquid, although it is liquid, if you thought about it differently, then it doesn't matter if it crashed 30% in one day. Like it doesn't matter because you need to ignore your emotions about it. Right. You know what I mean? So- yeah. No. Yeah. I guess you those
0: those losses are only realized when you sell it. So it's it's, it's I think it it all just comes down to to education. It sounds like Visor um, is going to be that type, sort of like education and transparency type of um, you know portal or however however you refer to it. But yeah. some some place for people to go there and 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 learn how to manage their wealth better, which is I think valuable at whatever stage you are in, in kind of the the investing game um uh yeah super cool well Ethan, let's let's uh kind of switch gears here a little bit and um i'll get to the part where i i get to ask you kind of all the questions i ask every guest um sure. with the first one being related to the name of the show being know your why um what's your why what what uh kind of drives you towards success what what really motivates you and, and keeps you going
1: So I love solving problems. Um, So for me, like, and and for me problems, like when I see inefficient industries or or businesses, like my passion is to solve that. Um, So, especially when people get affected negatively by that inefficiency, inefficiency. So that's sort of like why I do it. Um,
0: That's very cool. It's uh, a, I mean, Diamonds was one. There's there's plenty of others out there too that, of uh, inefficient industries that that could use you. So um, it's great to have someone trying to look to solve those problems. Um, second question for you: Tell us something about yourself that uh, that that maybe isn't common knowledge. Um, you know, special skill or a hobby or something just to let the listeners know you a little better.
1: Um. Wow. Well, all right. So I love Lego. <laughs> My kids, I have three kids, three boys, and the amount of Lego they have (laughs) is insane. Like we we don't have a place to put it anymore. Um, So yeah, that's something that people don't don't know about me.
0: I feel like Lego is like a, it's, they say it's for kids, but like plenty of, I mean, one one of my best friends, he doesn't have kids and he has Legos. Like some of the like, he loves Star Wars. So he has some of the, like <laughs> really big, uh, you know,
1: elaborate Lego Star Wars. Um, no, it, 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 listen, le- le- Lego, like is one of those things that, like, there are all these other toys that my kids have, like action figures and stuff like that. It's like, what's the point? Like Lego is like one of those things that it, it just inspires like creativity and just out of the box. It like, doesn't matter how much you have, you're going to have, you, you can create new things out of, out of what you bought. And so, right. Yeah. I've convinced myself about that until it created it just it, it become it became overwhelming the amount of Lego they have. It's really too much.
0: That's a, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: it's a it's it takes up a lot of space, and those, those tiny pieces can be a problem. But but uh, but yes, yeah. I think uh, it's it is. Y- you can you sort of stimulate their minds and yours for for hours. Really, I mean, it, it's really pretty cool. Um, right. And and like like at its most fundamental level, a really simple invention.
1: But exactly.
0: What people have done with it is like incredible. Um, when people hear this and they want to reach out, what's, what's the best way to, to get hold of you?
1: Yeah. So you can drop me an email, uh, litanadvisor.co. um is V-Y-Z-E-R or Twitter, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty responsive on all those uh, networks.
0: And we'll put, we'll put uh, that stuff in the show notes too. Um, Final question for you, uh, be maybe I'll put a little spin on it. uh, You're a a bit uh, outside the box guest, which I think, which I love. Those are kind of often my favorite interviews, but what, uh, what piece of advice would you give to someone who is, you know, I know you're creating a platform to help for this, but, but what, what piece of advice would you give to someone who is looking to kind of, you know, grow their wealth and and track it and, and like do it in such a manner that um, they're not, you know, running into, they're not losing track um, of, of what they're doing. Like you said, you know, kind of forgetting what the, what the, um, what they're supposed to get and, and when and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, so if the question is around, so like, what advice would I give someone who's starting out to build their wealth? Is that, is that sort of the, yeah, the question? Yeah. Um, so I think that, uh, one of, so I'll say from my, so from my experience, what I would do or, w- or wouldn't do is I don't believe, I believe, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not. And I, and I, I, I know what I, I'm not good at and I don't know what I don't know. Right. So I, and I know you had, a, I think uh, you had a show about that. But but so for me, it's like I'm never going to be a day trader. I'm never going to be an active real estate investor. The way for me, what I do, what I do best is find people that I trust. That won't screw me over. That's my philosophy. And I believe that people should focus on what they're good at and and exploit that and not try to do things or not, because it's very easy to look at someone else and see how they built wealth using stocks or using crypto or using whatever and think, well, I'm going to do the same because he got wealthy from doing that. Or here, Litan just built a company and he managed to scale and sell it. I should do the same. I mean, it really matters on like what your passions are, and what you're good at and focus on that and do that the best you can and find people you can trust and give them their money and make them and, and let them scale it up for you. That's the way I see wealth um, overall. I might be wrong, right? This is just my perspective and the way I've seen it work out for me and people around me. But again, it's like knowing what you're good at and not trying to be good. At, or you can, I mean, I, you can learn anything at the end of the day, but then where do you focus your time? Um, so yeah, that's, that's my input on that. I hope that that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I think it does. I think, I mean, and that's, that's the, that's a perfect, you know, kind of piece of advice for, for especially like the passive investor, right? It's like, fo- focus on what you're good at, right? Your 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 whatever you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're, you're uh, in tech, whatever your, your sort of most productive skill is focus on that. And then, you know, find people that you trust that can, you know, put your, put your money to work in the ways that you want. And I think, you know, you you have to add to that too. Like you do need to, I mean, you've, and you've done this, like you do need to educate yourself. You you shouldn't just be a a blind it's again, it goes back to that sort of financial advice. People like get a financial advisor and they're like, okay, tell me what to do. And it's like, you got to have
1: some responsibility and knowledge for your own
0: money and not just, you know. Kind of I agree. I
1: agree. And I'll just add on on that, on, on the wealth side of it, just like something that I've seen over the years that for me has been really important is that I try not to focus on building wealth, but building passive income. Yeah. Now, obviously in order to increase passive income, you need wealth, but it's a different mindset because yeah, like, I don't want to lock my money in and just hope for it to appreciate in value over the next 20 years. If it doesn't generate income, it's not worth investing it in my mind at the moment. Like I, it's just taking too much too much risk. I want to generate passive income. Now if you want to generate enough passive income, you need your net worth to be at a certain level, but still the focus for me should be on passive income. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you you have to and I, and a lot of people do that's that you know their their ideas what's that cash flow? What's that passive income going to be? You have to but that just comes down to sort of your own, like the knowledge level of what is what is my goal, right? Like, if if you're are you focused on passive income, are you focused on building equity? So that then the passive income is larger. In what you know, whatever it is, you just need to know what your strategy is and not yeah. to blindly go out there and right you know, kind of let let someone tell you how it's going to go. So, um, no great great advice uh, and and. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. I think this was super cool. And uh, I really look forward to seeing, you know, kind of what, what happens with Visor and um, that, you know, once that's implemented, I I think it's going to be a phenomenal um, opportunity for people to use from, again, like we said, from, from a lot of different angles. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm
1: I'm excited about it as well, as, as you can tell. Yeah.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, we will sign out there. Uh, As always, everybody, please um, like, rate, review. Um, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. So um, let us know and let us know. We'd love to hear feedback about what other types of guests you want to see. Have a great day. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, then Know Your Why podcast is made for you.